Well, I think that I think that timed quite well. Uh, oh, was, there was, was a count, there was a countdown video, but I don't think any of you will have seen it. Although, to be honest, we only gave you twenty minutes notice that we're going live. So that live, I dare say, not many of you are going to see this full stop. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Casey. And more importantly, I am your reigning, defending, undisputed, all stats aren't we quiz champion, Jack Robshaw. How are you doing? It's going to be a pain when you do that for the next six months. I'm only I am only going to do it once. Because, in fact, I'm only going to do it once because they'll probably do another quiz and I won't get as lucky with what the questions are. <laughs> <laughs> There was I a lot. Back, I look back at mine now, and I and I probably should have kept counting because, as I went through, it, as I was describing the quiz to my mum, I started realizing I probably actually got in the forties. Yeah. In that quiz, you what was it? You had a winning score of sixty-seven. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so that that makes me uh, incredibly qualified to be a pundit, and of course, Leeds fans have a lot of opinions about that. Uh, but before we get onto that, we'll get onto the thing that makes us happy. Uh, there isn't any banners or anything coming up because we have been so lushed about this morning, especially me. I literally joined this stream a minute before we went live. But last night, it looked like Sam Allardyce had had literally a minute to plan out what he was going to do with West Brom. Uh, West Brom nil, Leeds United 5. We thought that that was going to be a difficult game. Like I've, We both thought we'd win. We both predicted a win, but we thought it'd be difficult. That was not difficult at all. No. Um, I did, the, again, like, watching at home last night, I said that the key for us was to score in the first 20 minutes so that they don't grow in confidence in the game. And we did well. Someone scored. wasn't us. Yeah, um, um, that, is, that is a seriously world-class own goal. You don't see them very often. When was but the last is, time you? When was the last time you? There, there was a funny own goal scored in our favour. Because I'm really struggling to think of a, a good comedy own goal. Uh, yeah, I honestly I can't think of one. I'm sure there is one. We could do with uh, we could do with Dalton here. Uh, stats would be able to name every own goal scored. I mean, there was there was like, they, well, I was going to say there was 16 of them last season, but there literally was like seven or eight, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there was a load of own goals last season. Uh, the Jordi Derves one for Hull was quite good. Not in the same late, not in the same league as Sawyer's, but mm. that one was quite a good one. Yeah, so Sawyer's. As soon as you watch that replay, you just look and see that he has not looked where he's playing his past two. Um, and it was quite interesting this morning watching. Uh, I think it was the football show on Sky because Brad Friedel was on, and 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 he sort of a portion blame 50-50 and as much as Sam Johnson has started to do, has probably done the right thing by offering the pass but has come too far across for it. Now, I, I don't know him that well but I'm assuming Sam Johnson is right-footed so it would have sort of made it easier for him to clear which is why I'm guessing he moved into that position. Uh, but yeah, because and I, especially after the talk of... Um, Pablo fizzing in a pass, a back pass at the Burnley game. The first thing I thought was that Roman Soy's pass was, was quite heavy. Yeah, it was definitely a bit heavy. The um now I don't get wrong, it is it is Soy now I know that he's apportioned some blame to Sam Johnson, and there is obviously some blame each side, but it's Sawyer's fault. 
I mean, if you pass without looking, and also this is just a, you know, in the same way that when you're eight years old, they tell you not to pass across your box. Yeah. If you're playing a back pass, you pass off target. Just in case. Because, yeah, Sam Johnson has gone way off to the left of his goal. Even if Romain Sawyer plays it without looking and aims it to the right of the goal, it's still only a corner, not a goal. Yeah. <laughs> you always play it off target. It was a it was a hilarious own goal. There's no way that... Did you actually find yourself, like, jumping up and celebrating, or were you just almost a bit confused? Uh, I, th- I think I just sat and applauded. It was quite. It was very nice. Like I said, I, I, you don't see it with Leeds very often. Something like this. So, um, it, it started me thinking about fe- like funny Leeds own goals, and and kind of got me thinking like Alan Smith's that that was sliced the one. one. <laughs> that there was Wolves. There's. I always remember Gary Kelly. I think he was about ninety five. Scored a diving header at the back post when he's trying to put it out of play for a corner, and just lovely diving header into the bottom corner. Um. Yeah, it's good. It's quite nice to see one in Leeds' favour. Yeah, I mean the it really is a belter. Um, Someone get Jerry Cinnamon playing. Yeah, I was going to just try and find a quick thing of the goal, but I can't find one right now. Uh, The um, when we've gone into that game and you get a start like that, it can give you, you know, like a bit of confidence. But it can also really, really undermine the opposition's confidence. And I think that that's what happened there. I think that they wouldn't have been that bad. I am um, actually, I don't know if this will work, actually, but I'll give it a go. Um, this would be all rights to Amazon Prime Video if it nice. works. We're calling this a live technical rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah, it's going. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So then, if if has that appeared on screen? Yep, I can see nice that. Uh, I don't know if they'll play any sound, but I'll talk for it anyway. But like from that position, there should be absolutely no danger, should there? No, like you said, and, and, and at that stage, you're thinking, yeah, back pass, but it's a fine option. You know, relieve the pressure, give it to Sam Johnson, he gets it upfield. Yeah, I think this is why I almost didn't celebrate. I just laughed because, like, from that position, you see that body shape. Oh, he's giving it back to keeper. There's nothing. Going back, even here, like if I go to there, even here, I thought, is it that a bit hard? But I'm just assuming it's straight to the goalkeeper. Yeah. Like, I'm not worried at all. And then... <laughs> oh, Sam Johnson's not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Um, that was fun. I mean, I tell you what, I, I dare say the players won't have seen it, but if you did happen to see Big Sam's body language, it probably wouldn't have filled you with much confidence either. No, he uh, he didn't seem pleased. But um, again, and I again, that, Big that, Sam, that go with that. Big Sam being Big Sam, I can only imagine again the team talk of no daft mistakes, keep it tight at the back, boys. You know, nothing silly in the first in the first twenty minutes. Let's like settle in. And then Roman Sawyer does that. Yeah. Uh, we've had a message off uh, Chris Concannon, who those of you who have listened to us long-term will remember as Connie, who used to be on this podcast quite a lot. He is still, of course, welcome on whenever. But as you've probably seen from that profile picture, he has children and he's quite busy. <laughs> he didn't have children then. He has children now. Yeah. Uh, so 
he's a he's quite a busy man at the minute. But uh, it he was one of those weird ones. Like I actually got messages off Connie, just like saying, I, just it was amazing how pleased everyone was. Like yeah. I got a phone call off my dad as well. Although I did get one off my dad saying we should make this seven. We need to really push on. I was like, well, I mean, we can push on, but it's not. It's not exactly easy to just score seven. I thought, I just thought you'd have got the phone call the second Helder Costa came on. Yeah, yeah, he's not a fan. Uh, so, but then, obviously, we've got that. We've settled into the game. We are playing well. And then, fortunately, fortunately for us, uh, we get a second one relatively quickly, which uh, always helps. I'm guessing you're trying to load this one as well, Maya. Yes, I am. It's, uh, it's not. I will you get can see it in your eyes. Bosh, I believe is the sound to go with that one. Yeah, it's a it's a absolutely world class finish from Alioski. Is that? It yeah, is a brilliant goal. It's exactly the position you want your left back appearing in. Uh, that's the thing at Leeds. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, I think most other clubs probably not so much, but. Um, yeah, really, really nice finish. Really well struck because it had been very easy for him to sort of hook that one wide and uh, have it just curl out for a goal kick. But no, struck it perfectly. Nice, just inside the post. Yeah, it was a it was really good build up before it as well. We played some really nice football before that Rafinha cross that got cleared out to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I believe um, I've I've given up on the fantasy league this season, but they were very generous and gave Bamford the assist. Because he did technically get ahead on Rafinha's cross that got blocked. It is definitely not an assist, but in fantasy football, they give you one. I can say he's got a couple of assists out of this one, though. Yeah, well, the, uh, the the third goal, that was the good thing with this. All the goals were really good goals. Even like, you know, if they had a deflection or stuff like that, they were all really good goals. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I, I loved what I really did love watching this game. It was just, it was so nice. You know, like I said, with the Leeds game, with the, uh, I basically said with the um, game that Leeds played against Man United, all my nervousness was gone in three minutes because the game was gone. Well, this was the opposite. This was like all my nervousness was gone because, except for about a minute at half-time, when you fall in the loop at half-time and you're just battling a team, you don't feel nervous. And then... Stats had to tweet that the last time we scored four in the first half, we got beat 6-4 at home to Preston. Uh, which uh, didn't help. But yeah, we were we were absolutely excellent in this game. And uh, provided that this is working, we can now watch the third goal, which was Jack Harrison. It was a lovely one too as well, between uh, between him and Patrick Bamford. And, it's, and Jack Harrison's footwork as well when he, get, when he gets the ball back. Um, I thought it was fantastic, but yeah, uh, obviously this it cuts off a good bit of build up, unfortunately. But you know, it's it, for fair use clips. You can't really, I can't exactly rip the whole game and do it. That wouldn't be fair. Yeah, perfect pass from Bamford that as well. Yeah, and it's a lovely, lovely finish. It's such a good goal, is that? It's. I love that way. Just that little flick to to get it back on his left foot before he finishes it. Um, So, just absolutely lovely football all around. Yeah, Um, we've got some really good stuff there. And I mean, at this point, 
I don't think they've had a shot at goal. West Brom haven't had a shot at goal yet. They've had a corner, which possibly a penalty. Uh, oh, the, yeah, I forgot about that, actually. Um, I would say that that wasn't a penalty. The corner comes in and Rodrigo does have a late hold of him. Mm. But he's, it's like round his arm. And I, rec- I think that with the VAR penalties and stuff in situations like that, there does have to be a little bit of leeway given to was he going to get anywhere near the ball anyway? Yeah. And I don't think he was because Melier came out. Obviously, that was another bit of the punditry that got called out a lot, especially by me. Uh, that, like I said, oh, well, you know, Melier doesn't ever come out for the ball, which really annoyed me because he'd spent the entirety of the last game coming for absolutely everything. There'd clearly been a change in style said, right, well, we want yeah, you that... to come for absolutely every ball. Make sure yeah, you're disruptive. I... Make sure you come for it. It was quite funny because they'd spoken about, and, and again, based purely off the Burnley game, that he'd, he'd been flapping at crosses. And all I could think was, well, he's not been going for for corners and things like that up until the Burnley game. And and yeah, there was the, you know, the... the the Ben Mee free kick that was given that probably shouldn't have been, but that was harsh to say he flaps at everything based off based off of one game. It's in the same way. I found it really funny actually when they talked about. Um, I think they used a couple of clips to show Leeds being counter attacked, and the, the narrative being that we played far too open and expansive against Man United, and yet the two clips they pulled from the Man U game of us being counter attacked didn't work. They weren't goals. Yeah, if that was weird that they didn't show... I suppose it's because the goals that Man United scored early weren't really counter-attacks because we lost the ball before we even crossed halfway. Yeah, it's almost as if there was a different reason we lost that game. Yeah. And it's not because <laughs> of our playing style. Yeah. Uh, on subject to Melier, uh, Stand Your Ground, which is a podcast that we are on, so I'm guessing this is probably Alex, uh, saying he looked shaky passing it out towards the end. And Melier's passing was a bit dodgy at the end. But it had been good for most of the game, with one major exception, obviously. Uh, but he also received a lot of really poor back passes at the end. I think that's why it was so noticeable at the end, because he just had to put his foot through or through. Yeah. Uh, the fourth goal, I thought, was excellent football. The pass from Phillips out to Dallas for the uh, knockdown, that was a really good ball, good knockdown from Dallas. It's a good pass from Click. And although the Rodrigo shot takes a massive deflection, the original shot was going in bottom right corner. Like it, it might well have, it might well have been saved. Yeah, it could quite easily have been saved, and I think it, if I was get, if I was betting, I think that he would have saved it. But it was quite a good strike, and the obviously the deflection makes it lucky. But I was really pleased to see Rodrigo get a goal. Uh, not only that, and we did say that this might be the game that suits him on the last podcast. Click and Rodrigo were miles better. Yeah, both both very much involved in the game and, and with us being on the front foot for the most part. Um considering they were playing a four one four one, they both seem to find a lot of room in the middle. Well, it's because their four one four one is it was like Crap, a, well, yeah, it was shite. But it was a, like what it, it played kind of like a six three one. Yeah. Because the wingers dropped in so deep that they were almost second set of fullbacks. They did leave Carl and Grant up front. But just yeah. everyone was deep. And 
like Rodrigo quite often dropped deep, and whenever he dropped deep, he had 20 yards of space. But the thing that I found amazing was for a team sat in such a low block and just, you know, their plan was let's just stop them. It took two yards of movement to get in between the lines of the defensive midfield. It wasn't yeah. like any difficult movement. If Bamford dropped off by five yards, he could get the ball into feet. If Rodrigo did the same, or if he broke forward a touch, or if either winger just came a yard inside, or anything, they just always had space. Yeah, to be I found their defending akin to Newcastle's, which is probably no surprise really when we score five in both games. That you know, I don't think they were. They weren't particularly well organised. I thought the only one of their defend, uh, defensive players that came out of that game with any credit was was Semi Ajayi. Yeah, but, I do like Ajayi. I mean, I when he was leaving Rotherham to go there and I found out it was only a couple of million, I did say that, oh, I'd have him at that price. Yeah, he, he was one of the few that, uh, and when he got on the ball, he, he typically seemed to carry them 15, 20 yards up the pitch at least and, and relieve a bit of pressure, but... Yeah, across the board, I mean, Carlin Grant had nothing to work off of. Um, you know, Matt Phillips was subbed at half time. He was he was so ineffective. Yeah, well, Phillips ended up against Calvin Phillips yeah. for quite a lot of the game, and Calvin Phillips just didn't give him a kick of the ball the entire time. It was it was really good. I've, uh, by the way, Casey, when I've been playing those, have you been able to hear the audio of the goals? No. Ah, right. So I think I have now fixed that for goal four. So the audio version, if there's a couple of ten seconds of silence, I, um, it will get that will be sorted. You'll either get uh, Jim Proudfoot, or you can just watch Rodrigo score in silence. Either is well, fine. Well, on the audio version, we can't watch anything. That's the problem. Uh, but provided this is working, you should now get sound for this one. Uh, but yeah, th this is only the end of the Rodrigo goal. It's a click that's in support. Bamford is waiting, but the deflection spins it in for four. It'll be claimed by Rodrigo. Lee yeah, the uh, the goal from Rodrigo. I was so pleased to see him get it. Because I feel like he... I wouldn't say he'd lost confidence, but some of the passing he was playing and stuff did look like a player who might have lost a bit of confidence over the last few games. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, and at times, I, I think... His movement in the last couple of games has, has probably not been as. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, but um, yeah, it, it just it looked different from how he was at the start of the season, where I think I think he seemed alive to a lot more and and a bit more sprightly. But yeah, it, I think hopefully it does his his confidence the world are good. Yeah. Uh, so we get into half time at four nil up. There's been nothing in it. You're four nil down in a relegation battle. So you take off your most attacking midfielder in Matt Phillips and you bring on Branislav Ivanovic. Uh, at 4-0 down, I have to say, I think that's a bit naive from Marcelo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're just so used to hearing that sentence. I, I literally ended up saying Marcelo Bielsa because I was trying to take the piss out of that's so naive from Marcelo Bielsa. But yeah, no, it, I, it isn't naive from Bielsa because he is a conscious decision. And this isn't naive from Sam Allardyce. It's a conscious decision. I just do not fucking understand this Sam Allardyce decision. 
if you four nil down, down, let's go five at the back then. I I know that he, I know his thought process. We're going to be right down there. It might come down to goal difference. Protect the goal difference. But you know what protects the goal difference? Losing four two instead of five nil. I just I I was um, even for him. I couldn't believe how negative that second half was. Yeah, it was, it was just poor. I, there was, as I look through, the, out, outside of of semi Ajayi, the, there was nothing I could give them much credit for. And, and I thought first twenty minutes of the second half, I thought we were poor. We we were playing like a team that fully knew we were four 0 ahead, yeah. and it just felt like we were dicking around for a while. Yeah, um, we definitely eased off in the second half. And to be honest, as much as I, pr- in principle, yeah, push, go for it, get seven. Mm. You know, it might help us at the end of the season, some goal difference, all of that stuff. The Christmas period is a crowded period of fixtures. We don't make any changes. Having a very easy 45 minutes will have done them good. I don't, I, I don't mind that aspect of it, I, but I thought... I thought some of the decision making was quite slack in the chart. Like, like you say, some of the passes that went into Melier and in and around our penalty area. I, th- I thought at times we just we we were a bit too confident on the ball. And while I'm fine with us just keeping the ball moving, get them running, save save our legs, I, I did think we dropped off a bit too much. Um, and it seemed like I'm. Just, uh, I don't know if it was. I think it was basically when we brought Pablo on. It seemed as if everything got a bit serious again. Um, Shackleton comes on. I, I thought, by the way, I thought Shackleton was excellent. It's a shame at Click having the injury. Mm. Uh, but I thought that um, I thought Jamie Shackleton was absolutely outstanding when he came on in the circumstances. A game that was dead, where all the intensity had gone out of it. I uh, talk, talking again, talking to my mom during the game. I likened it to when friend of the podcast, little Danny, would have possession in a game where me and you would come off the bench with about twenty minutes left, and we were about seven nil up. Yeah. And instead of just and instead of putting in the cross for us to get a goal, he just decided to try and beat everyone down the left wing over and over and over again, and then lose the ball or go out for a goal kick, and we'd just be stood there like, for fuck's sake, cross the ball. But you can't get that mad because you're winning seven nils. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I've managed to find a slight. Luckily, Leeds United themselves have tweeted out a longer version of the Rafinha goal because I wanted to show the build-up of that. Because I think that because it, this doesn't show all of it, but like Jamie Shackleton wins that ball back about two yards from our goal line, and we play his way all the way through, slow passing followed by a really good move. Followed by a great goal. I think this is our goal of the season so far. I just, I think it was an outstanding goal. Yeah, the, the, there's an argument to it. I mean, I, I, found, I did find it quite funny how much, um, is it, it was Nigel Spackman, wasn't it, that was on CoComs again. He was, uh, he spoke very highly of Alioski's goal. He was talking that up for goal of the month. Yeah, that w- that was a brilliant strike. I mean, obviously, it hits... In fact, I bet it hits a shot from that position once every two games. Yeah. Coming onto the ball, left corner, of the games he's playing, I mean. Hmm. Uh, but that, that, that was a great strike. But I thought this had all the greatness of a really good team goal, followed by a really good individual goal. I'll uh, share now, because hopefully this should play the audio as well. 
Uh, if it isn't playing audio, okay, so you just tell me because obviously they won't be able to hear it either. But obviously this cuts off the sort of calm passing after Shackleton does well to win it back. But I thought this was an outstanding goal from Rafinha. Yeah. And Shackleton back to Dallas, and now Rafinha's made a great run and found space, and he's on the edge of the penalty area, and he's found room for the shot! Rafinha! His goal! And what a goal! West Bromwich Albion nil, Leeds United 5. Wow! Oh, that was worth waiting for. Rafinha, what a brilliant strike that was with his left foot. You always could sense what he was trying to do when he picks the ball up. It was all about cutting inside and just letting loose with that left foot. But what about that play initially from Dallas as well? Excellent one-two. Just carved them open. And when he does get the defender faced up inside the box, he cuts into the left-hand side. He's 18, 19 yards out. Just lets fly with his left boot. It's a brilliant strike as well. Coming back in, it's in the top corner. Sam Johnson, what are you diving for? You're never going to get anywhere near it. It's a brilliant... <laughs> I love Tony. What are you diving for? <laughs> uh, that, obviously, that clip is off Leeds United's official Twitter page, so that they own that and everything. Uh, we're not making any money off it, so it's not like they can say we're stealing something to profit off. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it is for the purpose of review, so you're allowed to. Um, that, I thought, was an outstanding goal and a really good way to finish it off, finish off a great performance. Yeah, nice nice work from Dallas uh, at the start as, it, as it we cross the halfway line. And then the run he makes, which I'm not sure which defender it is, but he takes one of the defenders out with him when he continues his run into the penalty area that just gives Rafinha a little bit more space to work in. Um, really nice finish from Rafinha, who every... I think I mentioned it with the Burnley game now. Whenever he doesn't score or he, someone doesn't score from one of his crosses, seems to take it so personally. Yeah, uh, I am. I must admit, I've. I mean, I liked the. I liked him as a signing the second we got him from the bits I'd seen, but once I'd watched him have two sub appearances, I thought this guy. I've, <laughs> this is the one. I, I think that my only worry with Rafinha is that literally, if he plays well this season, I could see it being the end of his season and a Man City or someone comes in with a shitload of money. Yeah. And, you know, at least he proved tonight as well. He he can do it on a cold. Uh, it was a Tuesday night in, Burn well, is West Brom its own town? I don't know. I would, assume, just, I would yeah. assume it is, but it's, it's Birmingham. Yeah. So, <laughs> obviously, with Stoke not being in the Premier League, so that we've gone to the next worst place, and that is uh, Birmingham. Is that the next worst place? I'm trying to think through the Premier League teams, actually. I mean... There's an argument it's beast. <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate, Leeds. Just ignore where the actual stadium is. We are Leeds United. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so Just think of the, spr uh, the sprawling metropolis that we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, as a brilliant performance. And it means that it's now, like we said in principle... Man United away isn't the game that matters. As much as emotionally it does, it was Burnley and West Brom that matter. And we've scored six, conceded none, and won both. And we've got the goal difference back to zero. We are back to zero. <laughs> uh, God, is that a Chris Moyles reference? That must be. It's... That's a weird thing to happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
You're bringing up uh, peak 2007 there. Yeah, um, I was just basically say that that I believe. Like, what's the? I'll just have a look at what the table is now. Uh, we are eleventh on twenty-three points, I believe. Yeah, twenty-three, um, twenty-three points from sixteen games, and four points off the Champions League, I believe. Uh, we are six points behind Everton. Oh, okay, okay. We're, well, we're, we're only three points. We're only three points off Villa in fifth, but they've got like two games in hand. Yeah. Oh, because be... Villa, as much as we battered them and we took the pace, Villa have had a fucking great season so far. Yeah, I, t- I tell you what, of taking Leeds out of the equation, Villa are one of my favourite teams to watch at the moment. But you know, you what? I don't know if you watched the the Man U Wolves game last night. That was awful. I did watch it, but I watched it whilst playing Football Manager, so I wasn't playing that paying that close an amount of attention to it. God, it was poor. Um, yeah, the the speed at which Villa play makes them quite entertaining. I, I don't think the the movement's quite as fluid as, as what ours is, but when you've got the attacking players that they have, it's, it's actually quite nice to watch. One, uh, one thing that is very fun, uh, I've only had a chance to do it once, obviously, due to COVID, but watching Aston Villa with my dad is very funny. Because your dad, dad hates Villa? Well, he hates Villa. He's always hated Villa. Just He, he, he really just... Something about him just gets him, but he'll spend the time going. God, Grealish is good. Get up, Grealish, you twat! <laughs> it's it's the, but it's what we all say now, isn't it? It's just oh, he's so good. Why does he have to be such a dickhead? <laughs> so it's really funny because he'll go from praising him to shouting at him and calling him every name under the sun because he deserves it. I mean, he is awful. Uh, and speaking of deserves it, or in this case. Doesn't de- deserve the first bit of it and doesn't deserve everything that came after. We should probably talk about that tweet the club put out regard- uh, with the Karen Carney thing. Now, yeah. it's better to kind of talk about on this. I don't think we did actually, I don't think I tweeted anything out about it on our Twitter account because there's more to it than a tweet. Yeah. Because there has been a lot of. This is absolutely fine. There is no problem at all, which I think is incorrect. But on the other side, you've got a lot of that tweet is so misogynistic, and so, which it also isn't. Mm. It's there is a middle ground. Uh, I believe that the article is going up at five o'clock. Josh Ramsbottom has written quite a good thing for for it altogether about it, uh, sort of addressing all the issues around it and stuff. Yeah, it was quite interesting because obviously we we have a threw it all together group chat going and there was some excellent conversation about it on there with with josh and uh, a few others johnny keely uh, does a lot with social media and he had a lot to say about it that was very well thought out uh basically saying that it's not so much about the well basically it's not about the tweet itself but when you have that big an audience you do have a responsibility to sort of not even by accident send the more assholeish elements of people that follow you after someone, which I, I I maintain that on that tweet, the tweet itself is just taking the piss out of the pundit who said something that, in my personal opinion, was not very well thought out, and just was a, it was just lazy, basically. Yeah, uh, it was you know. You know, Karen Carney, I have heard on other things, she is a perfectly good pundit. Um, 
I haven't seen enough to be able to say she's a great one, to be honest. I've only seen her a few times, but coming away from it, I've never thought, oh, she's good or oh, she's shit. I've just thought that she was a perfectly decent pundit. Now, admittedly, I think that she had an off night. She said a few things that were stupid, which, and for what it's worth, Jimmy Hasselbank agreed with every single one of them. Mm. Everything that she said that, that all the Leeds fans thought was wrong, Jimmy Hasselbank agreed with. So he also deserves a bit of shit. The problem is there's no video of him saying it because all he did was say yes, and I agree, and spot on. Uh, the, we'll start with the tweet itself. I'm not sure there's any need to do it, but the tweet itself isn't... It's just a pundit said something that wasn't very... It, it was the line, they got promoted because of COVID. Yeah. And fuck off. That it's just a stu- it's just not a good thing to say. It it's not only is it a bit is is it a bit disrespectful to the work that Leeds put in and stuff like that, it's also a bit of a trivial way to talk about COVID. <laughs> you know, it's it's not a great piece of punditry, but I don't think it's I, I don't think it cracks the top twenty of rubbish things I've heard this season from pundits. No, the, the, I, there's there is a lot of poor punditry around. It's not hard to find, unfortunately. Yeah. Like it beats out seventy five percent of the total punditry put out by Talksport. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, if even though they didn't atter, I saw before that tweet went out, people tweeting stuff at Karen Carney, and that's a lot of things where the difference is, like. If you say, if you watched that and it was the first time you ever saw it and you put on Twitter, Karen Carney's a shit pundit. Yeah, you don't need to do it, but it's your opinion, fair enough. If you tweet, at Karen Carney is a shit pundit, then you're being an arsehole. Yeah. And there was a lot of tweeting at her. Some of it was, hey, at Karen Carney, I, I won't say actual Twitter. One, I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head. But, you know, uh, we actually, our running stats actually went up the end of that season. The physical burnout thing appears to be a load of rubbish. You can say that, that's fine. The problem is, if Leeds has, I don't know how many Twitter followers Leeds United have. Uh, I'm going to guess it's like a lot, though, you know, several hundred thousand. Mm. If you have several hundred thousand followers and you tweet out something that, 665,000, I've just had a look, and you tweet out a video like that, saying, you know, not really even saying anything. As I say, the tweet itself, I think is fine. I just don't think there was any need to do it. But if you've got 665,000 followers, there's a decent chance that 5,000 of them, and I mean, it's more, but I'm using a low number, but 5,000 of them might be assholes enough to start tweeting at Karen Carney, get back in the kitchen, you know, women shouldn't be talking about football, which yeah. obviously it follows. But if there's 665,000 people, it's not a stretch to say that 1% of them are that big. If it's, if it's 0.1%, that's 665 people sending an abusive message. Now, I, I, there'll be a lot of people who are not listening because, as I say, there won't be any, there'll be hardly anyone on this live. There will be, and there's a bit of my brain says this as well. 
you shouldn't cater to those people. Because, you know, it's not the, the club didn't tweet those messages. So it's not the club's fault. And personal responsibility, I do think is big. So I, I couldn't say it's the club's quote unquote fault. But is that like a professional thing to tweet from the official account? I'm not sure it is. No, I, I my thinking probably would have been if if you feel the need to tweet something about it, then have Andrea Radrizani do something from his personal Twitter account. And I, I not in a the jovial manner in which kind of the initial tweet was done. Just have him saying, I disagree with this. Like you say, I think it goes against all the work that the club has done to get into this position we're in now. Um, and leave it at that. That way, one, you, you do have the personal responsibility of it was Andrea Radrizani who who is doing this, not the club. Um, now, what I will say, the one thing with the Radrizani thing is, I sort of I, I appreciate that Radrizani is willing to own something on behalf of our social media team. Like I'm not sure. Like one thing that we'll say today is, the club have come out and they have condemned the abuse that has been sent to Callum Carney, which they should and had to do. I think that they should probably actually tweet that out from the official account because that's where the tweet came from, which they, as far as I'm aware, they haven't yet. Uh, but like, I think that Radrizani owning it and saying that, I think all of that's, it's, this is more a problem of Twitter than of Leeds United. Because I, the... I saw a load of people sending sexist shit to Kevin Carney before that tweet ever went out. You know, that's it. it. The, the tough... it's, it's such a tough place now because if you're of the mindset that Sky and BBC and BT and Amazon are using more uh, using more black pundits at the moment, are using more female pundits at the moment to, to meet a quota. Then Which, the, it, then the second it, you people do think it. That then the second you see her come on your screen, you've instantly you're instantly going to put yourself in a negative mindset towards her before she said anything. Uh, I'll tell you. How I don't know if this will happen to you, but it definitely happened to me. In pubs, the number of times I heard people going, why the fuck have they got this Alex Scott on? She didn't even play the game. And not because they saw women's football as a completely different game. Mm. Because they genuinely didn't know. They just assumed, oh, she's on because she's on to fill a quarter. Like, I, I heard them say it. Yeah. Well, it was it was because that's the argument I had because it's... Is it Alex Scott or is it Karen Carney that's taking over Question of Sport? I couldn't swear to it, but I'm fairly sure it's Alex Scott. Yeah, and again, there was uh, I got into an argument. And, and look, I, I know I I probably get involved in more Twitter arguments than I probably should uh, on my personal Twitter account. But you know, I I got blocked by someone because they said Alex Scott wasn't qualified enough for Question of Sport, and my response to that was. I don't remember the time Subaka played at Wimbledon, played in an FA Cup final, uh, won the World Dart Championship, and uh, bowled a, a perfect over at Lords. Like, yeah. you know, you if you're going to say you're not qualified for question of sport because you only do one sport, well, yeah. 
that you know, outside of like decathletes, I don't know many that are good at various activities, and even that's all within the body of one sport. No, it's you know, a, it's you know you, your best bet would be to get Katie Taylor or Tracy Neville in, in that case, and that's about it. Yeah, the, um, um, I was just going to say the weird thing is, have you seen Gabriella Bonlahor today? Yes. Now, yes, obviously, Gabriella Bonlahor, and here's here's one of the things with it: it isn't just a sexism thing. I am sure that when Leeds took and Leeds, that's that made me mad. The number of the number of verified Twitter accounts saying Leeds would only have only done this because it's a woman. They've never done this to a man. Which really pissed me off because they have. You know, they might not they might not have done it to everyone, but they have done it. You know, they took the piss out of Agbonlaw relentlessly and named him. They took the piss out of Keith Andrews and named him. They've been ripping the piss out of Paul Merson all week. The difference is they didn't say Paul Merson's name. Mm. Uh, so it's a bit. Well, I suppose with that as well, it's be... that'll come down to he's not put it on Twitter. It was on Sky, so yeah. they won't they won't have the footage to it. Like, honestly, that they could have done pretty much the exact same tweet that they did with the Callan County video with that video of Merson mm. saying I'd be furious if I was a Leeds fan and all of that stuff. But he got rinsed as well. But Agbonlahor, the difference is right. I can I can say. Hand on heart, I don't think Leeds should have tweeted that. And I think, uh, I would assume it's a... Well, uh, Mr Wilson probably wouldn't tweet. I think now, just due to the amount of trouble it's caused, he probably wouldn't tweet it. I don't know if that's certain. He might stand by it. I do think it is a defendable tweet. I don't think that he's done something... I don't think that it's something so horrible. Hmm. I just don't think it was worth it. Well, Gabriela Bonlahor, and in fact, I'll do it on share screen here because it really makes me laugh, this. Uh, right. Gabriela Bonlahor, Leeds social media team needs sacking. Poor lady on the Gever opinion, and now she'll be getting similar or worse abuse that I did. My advice is to ignore them, just a bunch of cowards. Now, I agree that she shouldn't have been sent any abuse. How we can think that they need sacking for that is beyond me. But it's this, people can call her out for a poor punditry without abusing or throwing derogatory claims at her, which is what the Leeds account did. Leeds didn't abuse her. Leeds didn't throw derogatory claims at her. They just put the video up and basically defended the positions. And Gabby Agbonlahor says exactly. Now, yeah. what the fuck point is he trying to make? Oh, Leeds, the Leeds social media team should be sacked. But you can do you can take the piss out of punditry without abusing someone. So you can take the piss out of the pundit without abusing them, unless you're Leeds United. In which case you should be sacked. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, just had a message the, the, up to say you look different than I imagined, been listening on SoundCloud for ages. God, you must be the only one because our SoundCloud numbers are shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. <laughs> um, no, and the other the other thing that's a little bit hard to swallow with with the Abonglahar stuff is he was actively courting. The, yeah, I'm, again, I'm not saying personal abuse, 
but as a man who works for Talksport and the the basis of his tweets were to get a reaction from people. That's yeah, what I, that um, man was trying to do. For what it's worth, I said the same last night. I said I think the Agbonlahar stuff was far more justified because he went out of his way to troll the Leeds fan base. Whereas Karen Carney just said something that Leeds fans disagreed with. She wasn't trying to rile up Leeds fans. Agbon Lahore was. And I think that's that's a lot of the place where the difference lies. And here's the problem, right? I think that taking the piss out of Gabby Agbon Lahore was fully justified. But I am sure that there will have been some people purporting to be Leeds fans who sent like racist stuff to him after, yeah. after that. And again, I don't think that's Leeds United's social media team's fault that that happens. But it is something that you have to consider. Mm. Uh, so so it, it's sort it, of a weird look, thing there. I'm there, still there not is, 100% there is, sure where I stand. There's, there's, a, there's a very wide picture of this to look at in, in the same way that do I condone a lot of the abuse Stan Collymore gets? No. He he does get a lot of racist stuff directed at him. At the same time, if you are going to go on to a radio station like Talksport and push controversial opinions to get phone calls in, then unfortunately that's going to come with it. Yeah. And, now, and the amount of times that Colin Moore has come off. And it and same and same with Robbie Savage. Robbie Savage has had quite a few things sent to him about about his dad, which again is it, is completely you know completely wrong. Shouldn't happen. But again, if you are going to go on the radio with a public opinion that is designed to rile people up and annoy them, that is part and parcel of of that happening. It shouldn't be, but in this day and age you know that's going to come, unfortunately. Yeah, it's um, a weird situation. I know what you mean, because like, it should not happen. And I hope that there is a day where it doesn't anymore. But I, you, sort of, you can't be surprised when it happens. Like, it, it, it is going to. But that, as I say, that's what's so awkward about this, because the tweet, it's, as I say, the, the tweet itself from Leeds, I can't. I can't say it's. Not, there's nothing in that tweet that I can properly like that I can be mad about. If I went full social justice warrior, ridiculously as left as possible, everything. There is nothing in that tweet that isn't fair game. It's the side effect that comes from it that's the problem, and. Maybe going forward, Leeds need to think about that more often, even though that stuff isn't their fault, just out of a sense of responsibility. But I, 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 I would say right now, I don't think I am assuming that it was Wilson that tweeted it out. I don't think he's done anything quote unquote wrong. I just think it wasn't a great idea. Like you said, there's, I, I don't think there was. Because of the way she phrased it, you know, she put out her opinion. It's not done as as quote unquote banter. It's not no. done to incite people to to phone into a premium rate phone line. 
it's an opinion. Do I disagree with it? Yeah, I you know, I, like you say, I think, think it's a lazy opinion that's that someone has put out there. Um, at the same time, and I think it was Johnny that said it last night in the group chat. Like Leeds were going to gain nothing from from tweeting that. Yeah, that's but, that's one of the, the things. But it has damaged their rep- but it has damaged their reputation. Yeah, the very uh, obviously a lot of our writers and stuff, uh, and Johnny is one of them, uh, based in America. And that was something that I think we're a bit too close to it to see a lot of the time, especially me. Uh, I mean, obviously you spend time in America, but you're not there at the minute. Um, his way of saying there have been a lot of people where this is the first thing that they've seen about Leeds United. And mm. the other thing that he said that I found interesting was that he said that tweet has ended up going viral. And the problem is when something goes viral, all if there's, a, if there's 200 sexist comments underneath it, they go viral too. Yeah. So, so it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of an awkward thing. Uh, I don't. As I say I'm still not a hundred percent sure. I'm not sure where the line is, and I don't think this is even about the line. The line for whether something's worth it. I think we were the wrong side of whether it was worth it. But morally, I don't think he went over the line with the tweet. We've spent probably too long on this, but I, it's a weird debate. It's like the Stan, the Stan Collymore thing that you mentioned is he's the most difficult one of the lot because he is fundamentally an arsehole. But yeah. I still don't agree with him being sent abuse. You know, I, I, don't, I actually don't have a problem with someone tweeting at Stan Collymore, you're a prick. You shouldn't do it, but... Yeah, it's if it's racial or something like that that there's a problem. Like you, you, I wouldn't tweet you're the prick mostly because he blocked me anyway for not even doing anything. Basically, the main problem is the people who are sending the abuse. That's the big problem, but maybe Leeds need to try and think about it more. Yeah, I mean, just just to kind of round off as well, going back to the point about is you know our first exposure in America as well. This you know it's happening in a country where women's football is is so much bigger than it is here as well. So I, I think to the people who will see that you know Karen Carney played over there for a year or two, so she she won't be an unknown there. Um, you know, so it, the the thought of that being people's first exposure to Leeds and, and seeing us in that light, you know, it's a little bit upsetting in that regard to think that that, that would be first, you know, because a lot of the kids I work with there, their first exposure to Leeds has been me because we weren't on TV all the time or not on decent TV anyway. Um, so it's me educating people as I go along and telling them how terrible Chelsea are and <laughs> how terrible scum are. Because, um, you know, they need to know. Um, so yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Hopefully if nothing else, it will be used as a learning experience. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, uh, and the, what I would say is that to, obviously I do get defensive about Leeds as any Leeds fan does. And if someone comes out later today and tweets out Leeds have only done this because it's a woman, I will tweet them and tell them that they're wrong. That's not why it happened. 
but mm. it should have been a factor in the decision making. And I don't think it was. I, I don't think that they made a conscious decision of, oh, this might cause her to get abuse, but it'll get good social media clout, so we'll do it. I think they didn't even think about that side of it. And yeah, in the same situation, fast-paced, trying to get content out there, I can see how I could easily not think about that as a consequence. I didn't think about that as a consequence, to be honest, until about 20 minutes later. Like, it, it didn't occur to me straight away. Either. Yeah. So I can understand how it happened. It's not, I don't think any of this has happened out of badness. I think it just wasn't well thought out. Uh, just, I'm just going to mention this just to get us off the topic. Uh, before we get onto the Spurs game, which I am terrified about, by the way. Uh, Fulham's game at Spurs has been called off. Uh, which I believe was the early kickoff today. I think it was six o'clock. Oh, interesting. Uh, off, off, off due to COVID. Uh, the Premier League has come out and said that that story about them considering a two week break at the moment isn't true. Can you see there being a two week break in the season? Um, I mean, they, they do have, obviously, the last couple of years, they have had a winter break. It probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to push that for because normally it's end of January, isn't it, or beginning of February when they've had a winter break in there. Um, yeah, they've, they've been offsetting them, haven't they? So, like, half the teams have it one week and half the teams have it another. Yeah, I don't think, given the number of teams it's affecting, not only in the Premier League, but lower down as well. Um, it's probably not the worst idea to try and push that forward. Yeah, but one thing they did do is, like, I would basically, to be honest, I I could see it happening. Basically, if a load of scientists say it's a good idea, then they should do it. Uh, the thing with oh, you it mean like the just, government do? Yeah, because they completely listen. Um, the main thing that I keep thinking is. God, it's making playing all those internationals look really fucking foolish. If they wouldn't have played all of them, yeah. they'd have had a bit more time and a bit more leeway to oh, this there's a bit of a peak in cases here. We can have a we can miss a week here just to try and keep the cases down and stuff. Yeah, it's it's one of the straight, especially, and I know they had qualifiers going on. But to have countries still playing friendlies, stuff like that was, and the the breaks where they'd have three games and and stuff like that, it just seems like such a poor judgment now. And, and overall, not just even if you take out COVID, like the ongoing effects of COVID, because of the effects of the season it had had before, you have these players that are playing stupid amounts of games adding into that travel as well across the world, which we are all being actively discouraged from doing. Um, you know, and I, like you say, it just seems so poorly thought out now. Yeah, I'm just uh, going to go on that. Uh, right, it says, because of new coronavirus cases at the West London Club, so it's Fulham's end. 
obviously our game on Saturdays against Spurs, so I thought I'd better check which club it was. Uh, like, yeah, because what like it was the most positive cases they've ever had from around the testing the other day, and it seems mm. to have shot up. Uh, it really seems to have shut up. So I could see, I, I put this way, right now, I wouldn't swear that the game against Spurs on Saturday is going to be played. I think it will be, but I wouldn't swear to it. Yeah, be, and again, I, I find it funny, and, and I dare say it probably a lot of it comes down to sponsorship. Um, having cup games this year, you know, I, I, I suppose I've got the cup semi final coming up on uh, three days after our game. It mm. seems like a, another daft time to be having the FA Cup and and the League Cup in these competitions. That yes, I I, I know with the FA Cup there is some prestige left to it. Um, we, we probably could have done without cup, cup competitions this year. Yeah, the, uh, so on to the actual Spurs game, which normally I would say should we do another one, but there's New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in between. And are you working both of them or just one? I am working both of those evenings. I thought you were. So, yeah, we'll do the Spurs game now. Uh, you know the reasons that I was scared of us playing Man United? Yeah, yeah them. Um, Spurs <laughs> have got Spurs have got Jose... Jose will sit back and be pragmatic and he will play with quick counter-attacking football. And to play quick counter-attacking football, you need a couple of good forwards. And they've got Harry Kane and Son Heung-min, who are probably the best partnership in the Premier League at the moment. Hmm. Uh, scared. It's... Um... Yeah, even if you look at their backup options, and I know um, Gareth Bale. Yeah, Gareth. At least Gareth Bale's out injured. At least there's that. Yeah, um, there's a there's a lot of players in that team that are scary. Like uh, Tongi and Dombele is brilliant in midfield. He's got great feet. Uh, it can really cause problems. Hoiberg is I really like as well. Uh, I think I just think that they're good all over the pitch, and I think that they're set up perfectly to play against us. Uh, we won't go into. To be honest, there's no point going into much detail about this game. Everyone knows what Spurs are. They they're not unbeatable by any stretch. I think that we can get something, but it's going to be very difficult. That was one thing that I didn't that didn't occur to me. Uh, it's first time Mourinho's ever played Leeds. It. Oh, I did. I, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but um, yeah, last I suppose I'm trying to think because obviously when we played them in the cup, that was Rafa Benitez, and then the last time before that would have been Claudio Ranieri. God, we've been out of the yeah. Premier League a long time. Yeah, six, 16 years is a very, very, very long time. Uh, basically, we've caught, when we, I we're catching at- Jose. On his on his third club and fourth different stint with a Premier League club. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, we know what they're going to do. 
They they are they're a much bigger bi- budgeted club who that on paper is a better side than us. And I think they set up well to go against us. Uh it's one of those weird things because he sometimes he has been known to play like a back three instead of a back four at times. Uh he sort of flits in between. I think the last couple have both been four two three one off top of my head. Oh no, he uh, he did play three. He did play a three against um against Wolves when they drew one all. So I can't even. But they will probably. It's one of them. They could play Son on the left, and if they play four two, we'll end up four one four one. If they play three five two, we'll end up with a back three as well. So I'm not even sure what we're gonna play. Uh, but we've hit the hour mark, so I'm just gonna get straight into a prediction. I I think we'll score, but I just think they'll have too much on the counter and they've got too much quality up front. So I think I think we'll get beat 2-1. Yeah, I think my concern is it's going to be that our full-backs probably aren't going to be as disciplined as you, you'd need them to be for a game like this where... I know Dallas and Alioski love bombing forward, but this probably is is a game where they need to think about when it's appropriate for them to go and when not. We'll go all the time. We'll go all the time. Yeah, well, that's that's it. I I can't see that changing. Um, So yeah, like you say, when you when you look at their options of kind of the the front four, front you know five players they have, it's. the counter-attack does look terrifying. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to be optimistic and say a 1-1 draw. Cool. Well, I would snap your hand off for that. But again, this is much like the Man United game. I'm not expecting out. That we got six points from the last two games was what really mattered. Uh, and we will probably do a podcast soon after... Well, because we've actually... There's actually a week gap then until the FA Cup game, isn't there? So we might... We might do, yeah, one after the game and then one before Crawley. It depends on work schedules and stuff, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Hopefully, we'll be able to give people more notice than the twenty-five minutes we were able to give them for this one. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll get we weird. Both live busy lives. Maybe we'll get weird good numbers on this and just start announcing them three minutes beforehand. Uh, but I think that will do us for episode 97 of the Mighty Whites podcast. We're on Twitter at Mighty Whites Pod, uh, also on Facebook, Mighty Whites Podcast. The stuff we write goes up on Through It All Together, which is T H I U, it's all LUFC on Twitter and Through It All Together at SBNation.com. Uh, obviously, we went a bit longer on the tweet things than I expected it to happen, but it's it's not a basic issue. So if that was a bit long winded and stuff for you, fair enough, I'd understand that. Uh, feel free to let us know what you thought of the episode on Twitter stuff like it's that. It's also it's also it's also it's also episode ninety eight, not ninety seven. Is it ninety eight? Ah, well. Yeah. Ah, well, fuck it, it's fine. I think you got. Uh, I think you got it right at the beginning. All right. Well, you know, stuff like that happens. Uh, Jimmy says, "Cheer, lads, and cheers, lads, and have a happy new year." All of you have a happy new year as much as we can't go out and get pissed. You can stay in and get pissed. And in many ways, that's even better. And particularly, having a happy new year, Jimmy, it's nice to have a few comments and stuff live. Uh, 
So I think that will do us for this episode of podcast. So I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a happy new year. Oh, in a bit.